Well, welcome once again to our Sunday broadcast here at All Nations Church in Bedford. It's so good to have you with us. And we pray a massive breakthrough and blessing upon your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Our God is the God of encounter. That's what we've called this series. And this week, I felt very encountered by the Holy Spirit to turn again to the life of Elijah. Just a few weeks ago, Richard Eaton looked at the early part of Elijah's ministry as a prophet, and you can catch up with that on our YouTube and Facebook channels. But today, I felt drawn to look at another important time in Elijah's life, when Elijah just felt that he'd had enough, that he couldn't go on. But how, in that painful and dark place, God met with him, and released him once more with fresh hope and purpose. I don't know where you are this morning, but I know all of us will have these times, if not right now, when we just have had enough. And like Elijah, we become perhaps discouraged or despondent and downcast, that we find it hard to see the way ahead. But here's the good news. We have a heavenly father who cares. We have a heavenly father who longs to break in, who so loves to revive us with fresh courage and power that even today he wants to meet with you and change the direction of your life. And we're going to read a little bit about that from the life of Elijah again today. So we're going to read from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 to 18. So if you've got your Bible, let me encourage you to turn to that chapter now. And we're going to read that passage together. So Elijah flees to Mount Horeb. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The Lord appeared to Elijah and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. 
The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. There, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So one moment, Elijah is standing confidently on Mount Carmel, calling down fire from heaven, defeating the 450 prophets of Baal, praying for rain to fall on a land that has had a three-year drought. And then the next thing we know, he's running for his life into the desert as a woman called Jezebel sends him a nasty text message. Do you know what I love about the Bible is that it never hides the weaknesses and vulnerabilities of its heroes and heroines. As James 5.17 tells us, Elijah was a man just like us. And we can see that. So what went wrong for this mighty man of God? When you've just seen revival, fire falling, rain kind of coming down on a drought, what happened? Why did he lose confidence? Well, it's hard to know with certainty exactly what it was. But just like Peter in the story of walking on the water, he must have taken his eyes away from the Lord somehow. He must have been looking at the waves and began to sink. And you know, in this passage, there are some hints as to why this happened for Elijah. The first thing seems to be that he became afraid. There was fear. Verse three of the passage says, it says Elijah was afraid. Why suddenly because of Jezebel? It's hard to know. But you know, Jezebel is often associated with the demonic and the evil forces of Satan. And you know, fear is very much the territory he hides in and what he uses to oppress. But we all know that fear ruins our life. It causes us, doesn't it, to feel overwhelmed, powerless, alone, sometimes hopeless and depressed. And it, and it can flood in like a wave unexpectedly. I, I don't know whether you've ever had that happen. You know, you're suddenly in, in a room somewhere and, and this like wave of fear comes over you. Fear 
ruins our life. And these last few months have given much opportunity for fear to take hold. Fear of the virus or getting sick in some way. Fear of not being able to work or maybe even losing our job. Fear of what the future holds for us. I know many are, are battling with those kind of things. But you know, if you are there, and that's kind of where Elijah found himself, you need an encounter with God's love and goodness. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 tells us this, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And we also know that when we become born again as followers of Jesus Christ, we become children of God and we receive the spirit of God that makes us no longer slaves to fear, but we can testify that we are children with all the rights of the kingdom of God and fear has no place. And I just want you to know right now, if you're afraid, and many of us know what it is to be afraid, we have a God who longs to meet with us with his love and his grace. Even now, he wants to meet with you. He wants to drive out that fear, just as Elijah knew that to happen by his perfect grace and his perfect love. The second reason why Elijah maybe got taken out for this season was because of disappointment. Disappointment often comes as a result of unfulfilled expectations. We expected something to happen and it didn't. As the book of Proverbs puts it so beautifully in chapter 13 and verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Sometimes our expectations become misguided or even wrong, even of God and, and what he says. We can kind of think, well, God said this, so this is the way it's going to happen. And our expectations are it will happen in that way. Perhaps Elijah set all his hopes on the confrontation between God and these priests of Baal. He thought that would sort the nation out. This will be the breakthrough moment that will change everything around. But of course, it didn't work like that. Ahab and Jezebel showed no repentance and the people were so fickle, following God for a moment and then drawn back into sinful ways. Let me ask you a question. Are you disappointed? Are you disappointed with God? You see, Elijah gets to talk to the Lord and he's so open and honest and he brings it all out before the Lord. And I want to say to you right now, if you are disappointed on whatever level it is, you need to pour it out before the Lord. You need to know he's big enough to take it. Yeah, you need to understand that he's God. And I always say we, we need to be reverent and respectful of that. But he's big enough for us to be able to say it as it is and to share it in all its honesty. At the same time, you need to hear his words back to you because he will speak to you. And he wants to show you once more that he truly is a good, good God. Or as we sometimes sing, he's a good, good father. And, and if you're disappointed right now, I know that your heavenly father wants 
to give you a fresh encounter with his goodness. His goodness is tangible. God is so good all the time. He's so good. That's the foundation. And that's the foundation to come back to when we're disappointed. Third reason why Elijah lost his way was probably because he got weary and tired. Weariness is a real killer. For three years, Elijah had been living on the edge, on the edge of society, the edge of pressure. You know, he'd, he'd gone through drought, lack of food. He'd seen death in many different places. He'd got these prophets who were against him, who were seeking his life. And when he speaks to God, this is what we read, he tells God how zealous he's been. Basically, how hard he's been working and kind of saying, well, what good has it done? Do you know, we, we, we live in a very wearying world. I guess, if you're like me, we're all weary with this lockdown and virus thing. We're weary with work, perhaps. Weary with the pressures of how do we pay the bills, some of us? Where's our work going to be in the next few weeks? Maybe some of you are weary with relationships and family right now. And I, I guess we're so weary with the fact that there's so much in the media, social media, we're kind of 24-7 always available. Now, I know we can make choices about that, but it, it, it comes, doesn't it, with a pressure all the time to be in touch with people, to be on the alert. And we're also weary, aren't we, with the sin sickness of this world. Some of you might be weary with boredom right now. You are absolutely out your head because you can't do a thing. But you know, weariness and tiredness become one of the big weapons of the enemy. When you are worn out, when you are weary, when you're not sleeping great, when you're kind of thinking about all these things, it makes you vulnerable. Vulnerable to sickness, making poor decisions, being oversensitive and unthoughtful in your words and actions. And, and, and you know what? Maybe that's just what happened to Elijah. He just got emotionally and physically shattered. Often as Christians, we're, we're trying, aren't we, to glorify God in the midst of this hectic experience. I know some people wear busyness as a badge of honor. But right now, we need to know, just as Elijah met him in this account, the God who gives you rest. Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Do you know, I've often wondered about that. Why does he have to make us lie down? You know, sometimes we would have thought we would have liked to lie down because we're so weary. But no, no, sometimes we're so driven. But our God makes us lie down in green pastures. Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If that's you right now, I just want you to just grab hold of what the Lord Jesus is giving to you. That's what Elijah found. It's what you can grab hold of now. And the fourth area that Elijah experienced, which probably took him, took him away from what God had asked him to do, was he got into self-pity. Now, you know, Elijah had experienced some traumatic stuff. I mean, we kind of read over this so quickly, but 
slaughtering prophets could not have been very pleasant. And it's clear that that's what Elijah did. You know, he, he, he killed them. That must have been, well, just traumatizing. And, you know, witnessing suffering in the land and maybe the pain of injustice in what was going on in Israel at that time, being the focus of abuse and mistreatment. And then on top of that, when you're weary, we can get so focused on our own circumstances, it can quickly lead to the POMS, poor old me syndrome. And as Elijah runs away, he declares, I've had enough. Later, he exclaims, I've been zealous, implying that nobody else has. I'm the only one left, and, and now they're wanting to kill me too. And you see, the thing about self-pity is that it soon turns us into the victim. That becomes my identity. And, and I feel quite justified in being the victim because this has happened to me, and this is what I'm going through. Look, it's okay for us to be honest and to identify the stuff that we walk through. But as soon as we make that our identity, we're in trouble. And it often leads to us sinking lower and lower and lower until we get to the point where Elijah did. I've had enough. Take my life. I'm, I'm no better than my ancestors. I just want to ask you the question. Have you ever got to that point? You see, it tells us very clearly that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it always appears on the scene when we are weakest, because it is his greatest chance of success. Elijah just wanted it over. But listen, listen, this is the good news. God did not grant his request for his life to end. And you know, no matter how low things get, Ending it all and taking life is never God's answer. And I just want to say this very sensitively. Your life is not your own. It is precious and has great value. And whatever your feelings, your heavenly father always has hope and purpose for your life. You need to see right now, I'm just praying that if you're in this dark place, that you will see that your life is in his hands and it is his gift to you. And he wants to dignify your life with worth and with beauty. And I want to say to you right now, if you're in that place of darkness, just get in touch, start talking. Know that your heavenly father has a plan for you. No matter how low it is, it is never going to be the answer going down that route. God meets Elijah with tenderness and compassion. Look, taking life is always wrong, but he meets him with compassion and he meets him with love and he would meet with each one of us now and he would want to fully restore peace and joy and purpose. Well, how did God do that? <laughs> well, I just love the way that God deals with Elijah. You see, before giving him spiritual instruction, God knew that Elijah needed rest, he needed food, and he needed time. And so he gave them all three of those things before saying a thing. So often we think that 
relating to God is about spiritual gymnastics, kind of a, a frenzy of perhaps worshipping and praying and fasting and witnessing. But you know that is so not true. All those things are great things and, and they're an overflow of being in relationship with him, but they are not the way that we, we, we get close to him in the sense of knowing his heart for us. We must get to know the God who just loves to be with us first. We must get to know the God who lets us lie down and gives us sleep. And you know, having slept soundly, Elijah awoke to the touch of an angel who had prepared a meal for him. Wow, this was genuine angel cake. I would so love to have known the recipe. And you know, what I love about this is that when he's kind of in the center of God's will at that Kerith ravine, it's the bit that Richard talked about a few weeks ago, he was fed by ravens. When he ran for his life and he's disobedient and dejected, God sends angels. Wow. That is grace. And from that place, Elijah is refreshed physically. Elijah suddenly finds some direction. And what does he do? He goes back to the roots of his faith. He finds himself at Horeb, the mountain of God. That's the place where God had first spoken to Moses from the burning bush and then made a covenant with the Israelites and, and then gave the Ten Commandments, it's, it's, it's kind of loaded with history and encounter. And so much of what God did with Moses is described in this story. There's, there's fire, there's earthquakes, there's, there's kind of mountains and caves. But the interesting thing is this. God is not in that. He's in a little whisper. And he gives to Elijah a fresh and unique revelation of himself. Don't you just love that about God? He doesn't give us somebody else's experience. He gives us our own. And Elijah, as he went back to the roots of his faith, hears God speak to him. I just want to say this to you. When, when you're perplexed and disillusioned and a bit confused and just don't know what, what it's all about, it's good to go back to the things that you know are true. It's good to go back to God's word. It's good to go back to the promises and the prophecies that God has made over your life. You cannot stay in the wilderness forever. You need to go back to the foundations, the cross, the resurrection, the Holy Spirit, just what God has called you to as a son and daughter of God. And at Horeb, Elijah was now ready to hear from God. And God met with him with a question. What are you doing here, Elijah? But what I love is that God calls him by name. God reminds him of his identity. You're not a nothing. You're not just a servant. You're not even a prophet, although you are. You're my faithful, loving son. And even though you've messed up, I'm with you. And he calls him by name. God is tender with Elijah, but at the same time shakes him out of self-pity. And that leads to intimacy. Because you see, following that awesome display of power, which tears apart the mountains and shatters the rock, God draws Elijah with a gentle whisper. It was the soft voice that spoke to him of God's tenderness and love. And 
We are very good, aren't we, at, at knowing duty and even devotion, but it's so easy for us to lose intimacy. And I, I, I've got to be honest with you, I found this time during lockdown where we haven't been able to gather together to worship, it's been so hard because I've so valued how special that is when we get together. And, and worship, our guys do an amazing job, don't they, in providing it for us every week. They've been doing incredible things, but I also know I, I've struggled. Maybe some of you have too. But God wants to restore the joy of salvation, the joy of worship, the joy of intimacy. And I know he wants to do that to each one of us in this season. And, you know, as God draws Elijah back into intimacy, he gives him a new commission. He got a fresh assignment. Go back the way you came. But by the way, it's not going to be the same. But you will be back in the commission and service that I've given you. Don't just speak to one king. Anoint two others. By the way, you wanted to end who you were? I want to multiply who you are. I'm going to give you a true friend and disciple, Elisha. I just want to invite you right now to hear the voice of God recommissioning you. You know, we are in a season where things are beginning to open up again after this crazy period of lockdown. And I just know God is speaking to us and recommissioning us and saying, I've been preparing you in this place to go again. And I want to multiply you. And, and I want you to invest in other people. I want you to release my anointing on others around you. What legacy are you going to leave in others? Oh, and by the way, you think you're alone. No, you're not. There's thousands out there. Elijah knew 7,000 that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal that God was going to raise up. But there's thousands out in our nation that God is going to raise up in this season. So we go again. This week, I should have been in Colombia with a number of our team at the Aviva Miento Revival Conference in Bogota. So disappointed that I can't be there. But you know, I've just been reminded this week again of the words that were spoken over me and over us as a church. But you please receive this anointing. This is what was said. Receive this anointing of the Holy Spirit and take it back with you. Because the Lord says, if you know and understand the time that you're living in and what you've received, your nation will explode into revival again. And you know, that has shaped us over these last two years. And then suddenly we go into this period where we can't meet and you think, how's that going to work? God's promised revival. And yet in the midst of all that's been going on, God has been drawing thousands to ask questions, to watch broadcasts, to search again for answers to their life. And God is starting to awaken our nation. And I just want to remind us that this is our calling, All Nations Church that we have been anointed for such a time as this to invest in our nation. We are not just in survival mode, we're in revival mode. And I just felt the Lord saying, I'm unleashing you in unity for this town and nation. I've been preparing you for such a time as this and I'm now unfolding you before this nation for my glory. 
And church, this awakening is already happening. Not in the way we might have expected, but thousands, thousands are being touched even now. And I, I just want you to be ready, even this morning, to know the intimacy again that the Holy Spirit wants to bring in your relationship with God. I, I've had to kind of work this week at listening for his voice. And I'm so pleased that as I've done that, he's just spoken word after word after word. And he wants to do the same to you. And I want to invite you, wherever you are right now, just to stand. I want to invite you to just be in a place. Maybe some of you want to get on your knees. Maybe that's a good thing to do. First, I just want to say to you, if you're in that place of despondency and, and maybe right at rock bottom, I just want to say to you right now, there's hope. And if you just put your hand into the hands of the Lord Jesus, he will meet with you. He'll give you hope. He wants to call your name. And maybe some of you are tuning in for the first time. You don't know Jesus. I just want you to know right now, he's putting his hand out to you. And he's saying, put your hand into my hand and come and let me call you into what you were made for. I want you to know how close I am to you. And for so many of us right now who are weary, I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and just refresh us and revive us and bless us and give us a fresh outpouring of hope and power for this season. Lord, as you unleash us out of lockdown into breakout, I pray that you would break out through us. And I pray that you'd give us wisdom as we look to be your hands and eyes and heart and your answer to the nation around us. Send revival, Lord. Send revival. And Lord Jesus, bless you as you receive what you've heard today. Let me just say this to you. If you want to know Jesus, then we would be delighted to speak to you. And you can type in right now, I would like to know more about following Jesus and we'll help you. Some of you need to get connected in as we get into this phase of opening up again, you need to be connected in. And we've got groups that are meeting at the moment online, but we would like to connect you so that you can know community around you, that you can be discipled and strengthened in the Lord. So let me encourage you, even now, to do that. Thank you so much for listening this morning. God bless you.